Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Good afternoon, everyone in the Tourpreneur community, and welcome to another episode on our podcast. Today, I'm happy to welcome Neil Witten. Neil helps leaders and business owners unlock smart growth in their businesses. He's also a board advisor, a non-exec director. He's also been a founder of uh, several businesses. He's an author and podcaster as well, so he should know what we're doing here all right. And he takes a keen interest in technology and how it's impacting the business uh, community. His kids, for some reason, call him Bumface. I have no idea why they should be doing that, but that's what kids do. And he has a motto. His motto is, you only get one go, live consciously. His companies in the past have included, from when I looked into it, he's had a lot of companies and been involved in a lot of companies, but just two, Pigs in Flight, love the name, which is a consultancy company, and StoryStream, which was probably your biggest company that seemed to scale to quite a big size, had a lot of money behind it. He's a big fan of new technology and is passionate about the positive impact on the world. He's the author of a better business on purpose. Make money, create impact, and be a force for good. That's why I've invited Neil on today, because he aligns with what I rant on about day in, day out, which is making profit. Tourpreneurs here to make you, the tour operators, more profitable. And Neil has some thoughts on how you can be more profitable with a purpose. Are you interested in adding multi-day to your day tour business? Are you looking to understand growth and scale strategies in the multi-day world? Looking to finally crack the technology stack you need to organize, automate, and grow your business? Then join Tourpreneur in Seville, Spain for Tourpreneur Connect, November 27th to 30th, 2023, for an event unlike any other in our industry. Open to strictly 100 operators, Pete, Mitch, Chris and other industry experts will guide you through the do's, don'ts, twists, and turns of running a multi-day tour business. Not only that, Tourpreneur are giving back as we will be bringing in local suppliers and businesses to help us run the event. We're also opening up to a number of locally-based tour operators who can attend for free. So join Tourpreneur in Seville for Connect November 27th to 30th, 2023. And join us for an unforgettable experience of learning and connection in one of Europe's most unforgettable cities, Visit tourpreneur.com slash connect for more info. Welcome, Neil. Thanks, Peter. Um, hello to your community. Uh, you were kind enough when we when you first introduced me to this to um, suggest that I go into the community and, and, and introduce myself, which I did. And, uh, and it's incredible to see how many, how thriving it is, how engaged that community is and how supportive it is. I was really, really impressed. Thanks very much. It's uh, growing. We're growing at 7%, 7 point something percent month on month. 
Uh, but we still have the same issues. We have a lot of tour operators and more and more in there. We have great products, great experiences, but they're not making profit or they're not making enough profit to be sustainable. So let's kick off with some questions. What was your primary motivation in writing this book about making profit with a purpose? So I've had, I mean, we'll probably talk about it later on. I've, I've, I've had my own experience of building businesses. Um, I've kind of done it the hard way. I've done it, I've figured things out along the way as we all do. Um, but I think along the way, I, I noticed a couple of things. One of the things was, why, why do we actually do what we do? Right. So, so I think a lot of us just kind of get pushed and shoved in various directions and then end up doing something in the world. We didn't necessarily choose to be there. And when we start businesses, I believe that there is always this kind of spark. I think, I think people that start businesses are, are superheroes. I think they're fantastic because they're, they're prepared to go and do the thing. And normally what's driving them is, um, is a, a, some kind of impetus to make the world a bit better. And then what happens in my experience is uh, everything gets a bit real. You know, you, 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 start, you find yourself running on the treadmill and you've got to keep the lights on. You've got to keep paying people, paying yourself. You, 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 and, and you just don't have time to get back to what it was that was actually driving you to start the thing in the first place. And, um, and if there's kind of a, a hidden message in everything that I've got to say, it's that I think that that reason why you started, if you can make it front and center and you can get back to it and you can really drive the business through whatever that, that purpose was, I think everything gets a bit easier. The word purpose doesn't get used that much, but you do hear it bandied about. This is only a, an opinion from me. I reckon there's a big lack of purpose in life just now. General life, not in tour operator life or business, just life in general. Uh, and that might maybe just be being a grumpy old git. But there does seem to be a lack of purpose. People don't seem to have a drive and a belief in something that brings their life. Or if they do find a purpose, it's Always, it's often in a crazy, off the charts direction that's probably not healthy for them. So, from that, do you believe you can simultaneously build a business, make money, because that's the purpose of a business to make money, but at the same time create impact and be a force for good? Yeah, I do. I hundred percent do. I hundred percent do. But I'll, I'll caveat that with it's not easy, right? Because, and the reason it's not easy is because you have to do a lot of things that are quite unconventional. You have to buck the trend in a lot in a lot of ways, um, and that's and that's really tough. But but I think it's more fun, and I think it's I think I think it's I think there's more in it for people, both in terms of profit and and looking back and the legacy and and how they feel about what they did. How how would you expand on that to align with how tour operators should think about the business when they're at the design stage? And the design stage is not just, everybody thinks the design stage is at the start. The design stage is never ending through your yeah. business. You're always redesigning, redesigning. So how do you think tour operators should think about, I'm a big believer, as they all know, if you don't make money, you don't get the choice to do all the other stuff. So money's make, money makes first. But then how do you design to create an impact that is obviously positive, and be a force for good in the world. So 
let's go back to your point around the word purpose and how it gets banded around and what, what, what do we actually mean by it? So I have this definition, um, which is the more that you do on the whole, the better everything gets for most people. So that, that would, that would describe you having a purpose in, in what you do. Okay. Um, so the opposite of that is the more that you do, the worse things get for, for more people. So if that, if that's what your business does, you, you, you should probably stop and you should do something else. But I, I, I suspect that for most of your listeners in the, in the tourism space, that's probably not the case because they exist to serve people to go and find, find adventures and have, have experiences. And that's a really wholesome thing. So they're, they're already onto something. Um, then in terms of, uh, how do you, how do you do it? How do you design for it? So I think the, the starting point is, so you can't do any of this if you're not minded to profit. Okay. So we, we, we talked about this just before we started recording, but you know, businesses, um, it's not, you shouldn't be apologetic about trying to make money. It's, it's, it's an essential part of building a business. Um, and in order to make, make money in a business, it, it's actually pretty straightforward. You've got to understand what people want and what they need. Um, and if you're not doing that, if you're not, if you're not understanding where your market is, who you serve and dialing what it is that you offer right into the sweet spot of what the market needs, then you're going to struggle. Right. And I think, I think so many businesses fall into, fall into that trap. It's a really easy trap to fall into. So thing number one is that, you know, understand who your market is and make sure that you're serving them in a way that they, that they want you to, right. Which sounds really academic, but, but it's, it's the truth. Once you're doing that, I think you've got to, you've got to use purpose to differentiate. So you've got to be prepared to put that purpose, put the reason why you exist front and center and shape the story around that. And I think that's where it starts to get exciting. So I can give you an example. Um, one of, one of our early and biggest clients in, in story streams, one of my businesses was Porsche cars. And, um, what's really fascinating about that as a brand, you know, they've been around for 70 something years. The level of advocacy for, for that brand is just phenomenal. You know, the, the, the closer you get to the headquarters, to the people that really care, the more that you understand the layers of, um, of purpose that sits within that business, ironically, you know, they really, really care about this thing. And you want, once, once, once that's there, you kind of, you can't fake it. It's, um, it's very real. It's very palatable. And it's that that sets sets something sets a company apart. You know, if you can if you can harness that and you can get people to care so deeply that they want to tell the story to other people because because it defines them, then you're onto something. You know, that's how you build brand. That's how you build differentiation. I can give you a story around that. And for the listeners, one hundred percent, we did not communicate this before the before we started recording. So three four months ago, I was in a hacienda in Spain. A wine-growing hacienda, an old monastery being turned into a high-end hotel. I woke up in the morning, went for a walk, and Porsche after Porsche after Porsche after Porsche just started pulling into the car park. Uh, all with Swiss registrations, German registrations, a couple of French registrations. Ended up being, I don't know, 25, 35 Porsches of all ages, types, history, all lined up in the car park. A lot of, lot of money parked in the car park. So it was obviously a Porsche club type fan thing, which was interesting enough. And I started paying attention there. And then that evening, there was a couple of different restaurants in this uh, hacienda, but they also had a massive old church where obviously the monks used to go and pray. 
and they used to set that up for events, for special events like this. And they had two of the oldest Porsches in the centre of the meal. So the tables were arranged, they got driven into the church, tables were arranged around the Porsches, and all of these fanatics or Porsche brand advocates had a meal round these two old Porsches. And I was watching this from the outside, obviously, totally engaged by how passionate and brand aware they were for, for that. I'm not a car guy, so cars are cars for me. It doesn't really matter. Porsche or night car, but it only goes the same place my other car goes. Uh, but it was it was interesting to see the brand awareness and the, the passion and the purpose that these people had for their car. Yeah, yeah. On the, you mentioned there, like, you have to make, before you can start making decisions about where you spend probably you have to make profit to make profit you have to have your product your experiences in our world we all build experiences aligned with the market i actually think tour operators are quite good at aligning with the market because the market is travel and it's a fairly easy market to align with what they're not necessarily good at is aligning with their customer within mm. the market because the market for travel is huge it's trillions of dollars yeah, interesting. It's constant. But within that, there's literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of vertical niches mm-hmm. and different types of travel uh, represented by the tourpreneur community. We have so many different verticals in there, it's unbelievable. So it's how do you find your customer in that market? Because if you don't find your customer, I think it's hard to build a business with a purpose. Yeah, yeah, uh, 100%, 100%. And as I said before, I think to do this is hard and you have to do a lot of things that um, that are a bit unconventional, that don't feel right. One one of those things is, have you heard of uh, Kevin Kelly's A Thousand True Fans? No. Okay, so so there's this, you can Google it and go, go read. There's a great article about it. Um, but the idea is that in order to build distribution in your business, uh, in order to build audience, rather than going for the biggest viable audience the smart money is to go for the smallest viable audience and there's a forcing function that happens by doing that where you get really really specific about the type of person that you're looking to serve when you do it really really well you only need a thousand of them because you've got if you've got a thousand of them that are really really into what you do that creates huge amounts of network effect um so the yeah the unconventional bit is if you're a tour operator and you offer um tours to greece then so what whereas if you offer tours in a region of greece to let's use your example just because it's so relevant to porsche Porsche enthusiasts then you start speaking a different language you everything about what you do is naturally differentiated and the way that you communicate you meet the people where they are you know you you can get really really specific and it's very very difficult for anybody more mainstream to compete with you because you're so dialed in to a, spe- a particular customer segment so as i say it's it's it, it can be and I've, I've been there in my own businesses it can be can be really difficult making this shift because the the logic side of your brain says well surely it's better to go for the biggest audience possible the problem is if you're going for the biggest audience possible on the whole it's really hard to differentiate and so you can't be seen whereas if you dial into a tight audience then you can really differentiate you can start to you can start to mean something to people in a different kind of way so 
the line that would travel, I can give an example from own history for our, for our listeners. I used to run expeditions all over the world, and they were not, nothing different from anybody else's expeditions. We'd go to Everest Base Camp up Kilimanjaro, uh, climb Mera Peak. Uh, they were all adventure-based expeditions, normally 10 days to three weeks, and you could find 30 other providers doing the same as them. Uh, and we had a great time, and we looked after lots and lots of clients, and we made some money, but we weren't really doing anything different. We may have started a bit earlier than some, but we weren't really doing anything different. When I got fed up doing it, I decided I wasn't fed up running expeditions. I was fed up doing the same thing, and it was becoming harder to market uh, uh, because the market was, the internet was here, and lots and lots of other people were doing the same thing. Uh, I decided to start doing really extreme, physical, demanding, challenging expeditions, often of 50 to 100 days, and we called them 1,000-mile journeys because they were thousand miles and you had to walk a thousand miles and everybody thought there was no market and there was a market there yeah, was a market exactly of people right. there was exactly a market right. of people that was there that were willing to sign up and very quickly we owned that market uh, and was it a huge market of course it wasn't but it was more than enough of a market to fill the tours that 100 percent. yeah yeah I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to see that in your own experience peter and for anyone listening you don't have to go and um do crazy expeditions like peter has it's not for everybody but you find your version of that that's the thing and i think another inhibitor for people is that the idea that you limit yourself to that let's use your example of um of these crazy uh 50-day expeditions i think it can be it can be difficult to make a commitment to yourself to start there and to and to really really hone in on that market and I think it's easy to tell yourself a story that once you're that, you can never be anything else. But but also that's fundamentally untrue. If you, if you track back most businesses that have got real scale that have been around for decades or longer, you can normally see this tactic in their, in their DNA. They normally started with a very small, very specific market segment. I'll use Apple as an example. When they were first building their first computers, they were building them for these diehard makers. You know, they were putting chipsets together and they were going to these maker fairs and selling them to makers. You know, it's a tiny, tiny, tiny audience at the time. But the point is that you start with that audience, you build traction, you build stability into your business, you build good margin, you know, you get that profit embedded and you and you hone your processes. You know, you just start building what I describe as a beautiful business, you get everything in balance. Once you're there and people know you, they trust you, it's much, much easier to then start moving into adjacent markets and other markets. So you don't have to stay there forever. Um, but uh, but I think if if there's anyone listening where they're struggling, and, and it, you know, I looked at this in in the um, in your community, you know, one of the most common messages that I was seeing was like, how do I how do I reach people? How do I reach people and get them to listen to what I've got? And um, and yeah, I, I think the answer to that is reach fewer people in a m- much more targeted way. Be much more deliberate about what your proposition is. So a lot of the operators have been around for quite a while in the group. We have a big chunk of just appeared in the last five years, but we have a lot that's been around for a long time as well. So they're kind of embedded in what the experiences they provide and they've been doing it for a while. Uh, and they're financially healthy. What would you say to them for strategies or approaches for them, if they're thinking about, right, I'm happy with what we're doing, but we want to align more with a purpose. Yeah. With with a, with a something that is differentiated and more yeah. with a purpose. But they, they don't want to damage their existing business. They just yeah. want to create slowly a new channel with more purpose. 
Yeah. So I'd, I'd say, I, th- I, th- I think you can't ignore sustainability and the environment as it stands at the moment. You know, dep- it doesn't matter where you are on the debate of how real it is and how immediate it is. The risk to, to all of us is just too high, right? And there's too much evidence to say that it's not a thing. So there's definitely something there. Personally, I believe it's it's hugely profound and, and, and seriously important. And so I think that you know, start there and, and look at look at what you're doing from the point of view of sustainability. Um, it, it doesn't just have to be about, um, uh, you know, reducing the amount that people fly. You can be much cleverer than that, right? You can deliver value digitally. You can, um, you can offer people the ability to travel um, for pleasure that can coexist with where they would have traveled to anyway. So I think you can start to get really creative about how you think about making your offering more and more sustainable and more differentiated in what you do. I was looking just before the before the conversation at some examples, and I found um, a great company, the Global Himalayan Expedition. Have you heard of it? Do you? Yeah. 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 And you know, a lot of dark. It's a it's a it's a great example of of how you do this, right? So, um, what they're doing is they're taking groups of travelers and they're sending them off to these kind of off-grid mountain villages but they're giving those individuals the capability beforehand they're giving them some training and some technology to be able to build these working micro solar grids and the idea is that these individuals then go and have their experience they go to meet these new cultures they go but they help them out they build these these micro solar grids and and then they leave with um, having done something really impactful that's also great from a sustainability point of view. So um, you, you don't have to copy that example, but it's an, it's an example of where, again, that they become very differentiated. But it can't. It's, it, everything just gets so much easier when you start doing this stuff, right? Because anyone that anyone that's been on one of those tours is going to tell everybody about it. You know, so you said earlier about there feels like a lack of purpose for somebody that feels like there's a lack of purpose that's found that and they've gone and done that. That's more than just a couple of Instagram photos. You know, they're going to be telling everybody. They'll dine out on those stories for 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 years, if not decades. And that's market. That's marketing, right? That's that's hugely valuable marketing. Um, more than that, the you know these guys. I think they they visited more than fifty villages now. So that's fifty of these micro communities that they've affected, and these new solar grids they've affected. Anyone that works in that business is so much easier to attract great talent. It's so much easier to spin up really meaningful partnership, commercial partnership deals, because people care. People will hear that stuff. And they're like, I want to be part of that. So that's the opportunity, right? Um, and yeah, it, like I think for some, it can feel as though it's a nice to have. I think it's essential. Yeah, that in that same area, the Himalayas, there's another company I used to work with years ago that used to target dentists. Mm-hmm. And that was their, one of their customer segments. Uh, and the dentists became a channel. Dentists from Netherlands, from UK, they became a channel. And then when they went trekking, they went from village to village and they had all their dental equipment with them and they helped Made villagers with absolutely amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. We should also just, I mean, I, I'm so glad that you're on the same wavelength here because it gets so much easier and it's exciting to sort of explore this point. The, the, the thing is, if you, if you decide that you're going to go after dentists, the other thing that most people don't realize is that once you've made that decision, it's way cheaper and it's way easier to target dentists than it is to target a broad brush of group of people. So not only is your message going to resonate way more, but it's going to be much cheaper for you to to find those people and to actually get in front of them. Yeah. Um, 
so so yeah it it just it's the 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 answer is sort of hidden in clear sight here it's like get get narrow find the audience meet the market where it needs to be but then look at what what are you about what's driving what's driving you to do this and how do you put that front and center in such a way where i experience it and i want to tell somebody else about it where it has this natural advocacy effect you know the more of that that you've got the easier everything gets do you believe some of the principles that you're talking about, about purpose, uh, positioning, you've got it, I think, in your book, Purpose, Positioning, People, Product, Profit, Planet, all of these things, uh, platforms. Do you think that it can be universally applied yeah. in all business or can it just be set? I, I think travel's aligned with this stuff. You know, I'm, com- I'm biased. You know, I've spent a lifetime in travel, so I'm completely biased. and I know that. And I think travel is aligned with this and can do this well. I also know travel does this terribly uh, at big scale uh, and we're contributing some bad stuff. So we're not angels by any means. But do you think this can be applied universally no matter what the sector? I absolutely do. Let's just talk about travel first and then I'll answer the question. So I think one of the reasons why it's done so badly in travel is probably because everybody can be a customer, right? So whenever you've got a market where my next door neighbor can be a customer and the person like in another continent I've never met before can also be a customer. Everybody travels. And so because of that, it feels like it's such a massive market, this huge opportunity. It, the idea of narrowing in the, in the way we've been talking about is, is much, much harder for somebody to get excited by, right? So I, th- I, th- I think we shouldn't overlook that as a point. The other thing just to reiterate that I said earlier is that I think there's a natural advantage for anybody that's operating in travel because when when people travel, they're going to explore in every sense. You know, it is an adventure. And so whenever somebody is adventuring, you it's much easier for, to get them to do stuff that they otherwise wouldn't do. So to get them to do things that are more sustainable, that are more impactful, is actually much easier than it would be in a in a kind of more typical business environment. But to answer the, the question, so um, yeah, I 100% believe that these ingredients are the same across every business and, and the reason i believe that I'll, I'll talk about the ingredients in a sec but the reason the reason i believe that is because if you take any business and you boil it down to its lowest common denominator fundamentally it exists to solve a problem and again, and again it's really easy to get away from that when you're in the throes of um you know the the, the challenges that bis- the business owners face it's, it's really tough but if you boil it back down, you know, you you exist to solve a problem. So for a tour operator, what problem are you solving? You're giving people a story. You're giving people an experience. You're giving people a bit of time out, a bit of, a bit of R&D. You know, like there's, 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 but if you get back to that level, you're solving a problem. Then when you try and solve a problem, you can't, you can't solve a problem one dimensionally. So you look at a business, a business has got all of these different ingredients in order for it to be healthy, okay? And for it to be sustainable, both sustainable from the point of view of the, the um, environment, but also sustainable from the point of view of it being a business that can can sustain itself. And when we wrote the book, we, we, we spent a lot of time looking at this and researching this. And when we found these, we would call them the seven Ps. So there's, there's these seven dimensions. The idea is that you should be actively working on each of these seven things and trying to keep them in balance. So you can't just work on one of them and you can't work on three of them. And if you work too much on one or two of them, then you're going to negatively affect others. So the idea is you, all seven of these are things that you have to actively spend time working on. So I have this idea of working on your business rather than in your business. 
And that's really important as well. You know, what I, I learned this the hard way myself. You know, I spent a lot of time just digging into the work and and then we didn't know where we were going or why we were going there. You know, you have to spend that time out working on the business. And so there's these the seven dimensions are, I think you mentioned them all before, profit. So that's how the money flows, but ultimately it flows in a way to actually make you some amount of profit that you can either reinvest or take out to pay yourself and pay others. Um, purpose, what, what's actually driving you. So the, the name of the book, Better Business on Purpose, purpose actually has two meanings. So one is how deliberate you're being about the, the decisions you're making and the intention that you're setting in the business. How rigorous you are that's the on as one on purpose and the other on purpose is the purpose that's actually driving you that allows you to be differentiated that gets gets you excited about the thing and you've got product um that's the stuff that you're ultimately selling to people and you touched on that before you said typically um entrepreneurs tend to do that pretty well um products change as markets change and often we forget that so we think about the product being good and then we sort of leave it and then we but the market changes it's not as relevant and we haven't done the work to iterate the product so you've got to continue to iterate your products positioning positioning is like you may have the best product in the world and it may have the best story around it but if nobody knows about it and you're not getting that message out there in the right way to the right people it's irrelevant and so um positioning is sort of the elevated bit that sits above marketing it's like where do you sit in the market how are you differentiated what message have you got who are your allies we talk in the book about the importance of storytelling and, uh, and that's a skill it can be learned. Um, then people, when we talk about people, it's it's everybody. It's the people that work in your company. So I, we think about this idea of businesses having having communities and those communities can be the staff that, that have come in. It can be the staff that have gone that are, that are now alumni, that are advocates of the experience they had in your business. They're your partners, commercial partners, other partners. They're your customers um they're basically anybody that is affected by your business that that's the people um planet uh, speaks for itself but you know we all have we all exist on this planet we all have a responsibility to do the best by it so we have to think about that in the context of what it is that we're doing and then finally platforms and platforms are it's, it's easy to think about technology when you think about platforms platforms are basically anything that gives you leverage so if you think about technology What's great about it is that you can do something once and technology can let that one thing happen millions of times without any extra energy. But the but that same thing can exist in other other ways. So community, as an example, is a fantastic platform. Um, having a point of view and getting behind it in a political sense is a platform. Um, and there's others, but again, we talk about that a bit more in the book. So the idea is you, you need to be working across each of these seven dimensions and you've got to get them in balance with one another. So again, referring back to some of our operators, we may have some listening to this that decide to go away and look at the business and decide to try and do something uh, aligned with purpose. What's some of the common challenges if a business seriously decides to go down this line from where they are? What's some of the challenges that they're going to face? And is there any hints or yeah. you could get to on how to na navigate them challenges based on your own experience to do it yeah i think when when a business uh, kind of a, has got to a point where there is some inertia you know it knows what it's doing it's serving the market it's making money i think that it, that's sometimes the best time to re-establish purpose um but often it's it's the time that's the hardest for that to happen and one of the reasons for that is because 
people without realizing it, people can build businesses where they're not very purpose driven. You know, it really is about making money. It really is. That's where all the focus is. So shifting away from that feels uncomfortable. It feels risky. Um, but I can tell you from first, first-hand experience, it's exciting. Uh, I think a good example is Lego, right? So um, we did a calculation of if you, if you take the number of people on the planet, how many Lego bricks do you think each person could get? And we worked out there was 80 Lego bricks for every person on the planet. That's a lot of plastic, <laughs> right? And so look at Lego as a company. It's been around for a long, long time. It's very stable. It makes a ton of profit. Um, so in many ways, it's a great, great company. But I don't think that purpose has been serving us very well for, for, for quite a while, actually. You know, we, we're creating all of this plastic. What are we going to do with it? But they figured that out, Lego, to, to you know, that, that to, they, 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 their mission is much more around helping kids learn helping kids get creative and and that's that's great that's their purpose their purpose has always been that it's much it has it's been about the outcome the why right so what they're doing in response to that is they are um not only recreating all of the production lines so that all of the bricks are made of um, recycled plastic fully recycled plastic but their commitment is to move the business to be net positive um, and they're doing that in a very, very short time span. They they will forego profit in the short term in order to achieve that. But I think we both know that if they didn't do that, I'm not sure they'd be relevant in 10 years from now. So uh, I think that example is like they're a very big company and they're doing it. Um, and they're going to they're benefit from it. I'm telling you that story. Other people will tell that story. And we think differently about Lego because of it. So if Lego can do it, then much, much smaller companies it should be much easier, right? We, we, there's not as much to change. There isn't as much inertia. So let's make the assumption we have some operators that go down this and start to realign the businesses around a uh, purpose. I'm a bit of a geek of measuring everything, uh, mm-hmm. particularly profit, marketing metrics, anything that makes the business financially healthy, I measure within an inch of its life and I'm trying to train operators to, to do similar. What are the things they should be measuring if they start going down this right line? Because it isn't just uh, it isn't just financial pro- uh, financial performance, as you said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's two answers. What <laughs> many? Oh, the dogs have got some ideas. Uh, that's uh, my dog's going a bit crazy at the the Amazon man coming to my door. Would you get him to leave? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what happens when you're on a podcast with me. I have six dogs. So that's what happens. Wow, six dogs. Yeah. I've got a, you. a purpose for dogs. Uh, yeah, right, exactly. And more to the point, my wife has now have to uh, help. Do you? So, yeah. So back to that point on measuring. If you're going to do this stuff, I think there's got to be some measurements there because it'd be easy to do stuff and not... I mean, are you making an impact? Are you being more sustainable? I think that's quite me- more measurable. Yeah. But whatever your purpose or your new aligned purpose is, the GHE one was quite quite easy to measure. Are you bringing electricity to, to villages without electricity? Yes. And we all know electricity is a massive uh, bonus factor. So what sort of things should operators be thinking about measuring so they can set up a scorecard so they can, if they're on this journey, you want to be ticking off how well you're doing along the journey. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. So I think you're absolutely right. From a sustainability point of view, an environmental point of view, that's much easier. So you've got ESG and 
um, you know, it's worth having a good look at that. There's some really good platforms that will um, that will take the heavy lifting out of that for you. Um, I think that's a really good starting point. The the answer that I think is a bit more uncomfortable is it's really hard to measure some of this stuff. And again, you know, I said earlier that we have to do some unconventional things. When you learn about business and you learn about how to build a good business, you get taught to measure everything and then to make decisions based on what you can measure. One of the reasons why we tend to have businesses that are very financially led, because it's very, very easy to measure. Did we make pounds? Did we lose pounds or dollars or whatever? You know, it's, but for, money is such an easy thing to measure. And that's one of the reasons why we end up with the companies that we have. So I do believe that um, some of the aspects around delivering purpose are very, very difficult, if not impossible to measure. But I do think that there are some some consequences to those per to, to, to being driven by purpose that you probably can measure, right? So it's not it's, if you think about the art and science, I think we're probably moving more into the art here than we are the science, and it's, it's important to recognise that because you don't want to not do it because you, because you can't measure it in the same way. But I think one of the one of the ways that you can measure it is is advocacy. So if your customers are telling the story to other people about what you're doing, you're getting it right, right? And and there's lots of reasons why that might happen, but frankly, it doesn't matter. If they're doing it, then you're getting the results that you're looking for. And there's lots of ways to measure advocacy. Um, and, and you can feel it as well. Like when, when you've got it right, you can feel it. You know it's right. So um, yeah, I hope that doesn't sound like too much of a cop-out of an answer, but I do think I do think there's some real truth to that, that, that some of this stuff, you taking the view of trying to measure it, especially within an, within an inch of its life, is probably not the most helpful approach. Let's look at this from a different angle. So we have a percentage of our listeners and a percentage of the community who are 100% purpose-driven businesses. That yeah. is their purpose. They've started with that on day one. They haven't matured into that. They've started as a purpose-driven business. Many of them focused around uh, environmentalism, uh, ecology, being a purpose-driven tour travel business with that as the beating heart of their business. We have quite a percentage of operators who are fundamentally driven with that. Now, my experience of working with quite a few of them is they're less financially viable and profitable than tour operators who are not that driven and purpose-driven. So there's a paradox there that it'd be great for all operators to find a purpose and find and more than just profit. But we, we do seem to have a community as well I'm speaking at an environmental conference later this year. And yeah. I have done before, and these businesses are struggling to make yeah. because you took the purpose stamp, it's everywhere. It's, yeah. You only engage with them if you, you're a customer aligned with that purpose, but they're not making the financial reward. Yeah, let me... Right. And I, I feel for those people, Peter, and I, I don't want anything about the um, ideas that I'm putting out there to suggest that people shouldn't be making more than enough profit you know I, I i really stand by that like businesses ex exist in a um uh, in, a, in a world where money you need money right you've got to pay your mortgage you've got to pay people that's 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 how we get on in the world so we so we can't be apologetic about that it's, it's really really important i think the answer is that so there's, there's a great example of a business called hyatt jeans and they're up in in wales have you, have you come across them by any chance no so um, started by husband and wife, David and Claire Hyatt, um, and they're, they're ex-founders of, of another fashion business that they sold to the group that owns Timberland. Um, 
what they've done in that in creating that jeans company they 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 moved to this to this town in wales and they realized the history of that town was that it had been decimated um with uh basically industrialization and, and the export of all sorts of things to other parts of the world that town historically was made of jeans manufacturers so there were people looming um uh, jeans you know they were one of the biggest jean producers in the world and um, but the, the community had been decimated because um, because of, of these macro global changes. And and these these guys came into this village and they were like, this isn't good enough. Like we're gonna bring we're gonna bring jeans back. We're gonna bring 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 it back. That's that's what it was. And they've done an incredible job of reestablishing this fantastic business. The reason I'm telling you about that is because these if you want to buy a pair of higher jeans, they're they're not cheap. You know, it's like 180 quid or something for a pair of jeans. You haven't. That's that's expensive, right? Yeah. But by, by anyone's measure, and um, they price it like that because that's how much it needs to cost in order for their business to be viable. They can't sell that to everybody at this stage. Um, not everybody is prepared to spend 180 pounds on a pair of jeans. But again, this is why purpose matters so much because one of their promises is we have given you a pair of jeans for life. You get um, any time that there's a, a repair needed send them to us we will repair them for free for the whole for the whole life of those jeans and then if you if you look at it through that lens actually the cost the total cost and and lifetime value of those jeans is way higher than a pair of jeans that you're going to get off of the high street and 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 they're leading with that message and more and more people are understanding that and i think there is the opportunity um if you if you relate that back to um tour operators there are different financial models that you can spin up, right? So you can you can take people on a tour, and then you can you can harness the community of advocates that ex, that, that all experience something together, and then you could charge a subscription fee for people to continue to be part of that community using tech. You know, that's just an example, right? But there's plenty of examples like that where by really really owning the purpose and really leading with it, it gives you the opportunity to find other revenue streams and actually to increase the profit as well. And I'm sure a community's heard me multiple times rant, rant on about this because there's, there's two things in business. I believe there's two most difficult things in business. One is leadership, uh, and we could, I could talk about that for 15 days. The second one is pricing. Pricing is incredibly difficult to get right and keep right through your business journey. And there's a disease in our community uh, where operators are not pricing the products correctly. And... 80% of the time, it's underpricing the products correctly. So this message is coming across is if you find your community of customers, the right customers with the right story, with the right passion and your purpose behind it, these customers are going to pay significantly more than yeah, what absolutely you're, right. you're currently getting paid at the moment. And all of this discussion, I think that's probably the most important thing for operators to really get is once you nail your niche customer model and have a purpose and a story that they engage with you in a in a, a way that is above normal, you're going to be able to charge a higher rate for your experiences. I could I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Um I think again, if I think about this in the context of more more broadly just business in general we can get a bit too attached to a budget, a budget line, right? So if you think about that for tour operators, what is the average budget of their average customer, right? And let, let's, for argument's sake, say that's a thousand pounds. 
then what we can do is because we've got that insight that there's this notional thousand pounds, we try to then crowbar everything into a thousand pounds, but it's not true. And the reason it's not true is because if, if, a, if, so if, if my friend phones me up and says, Neil, I have just got these incredible tickets to this pop-up, um, money can't buy Michelin star dining experience. Um, it's going to cost 150 quid, 200 quid. Um, I need to know now, do you want to, do you want to come? impulsively i'm just going to go yeah because that that just sounds phenomenal and that that you know me well enough to know that's the kind of thing i really really want to do so i if i can't afford that 150 pounds a lot of people will just displace the budget from somewhere else because it matters that much more to them yeah i think that's the way to think about it you know and yes of course there comes a point where something is literally unaffordable for a certain type of audience that doesn't mean it's unaffordable for everybody and even if it's unaffordable for the audience that you're targeting in the way that i described of hyatt jeans there are often ways to find other business models that allow you to continue to sell to that to that individual it might be a more diy version of of the product or it might be a payment plan that gives them the ability to be able to pay over a longer period of time where actually you'll make more money you know there's all kinds of different creative ways to solve that problem but you're 100 percent right what so many founders and business businesses do is they set their prices in the same way that they set their products and then they think that's done and that's, that's absolutely the wrong way to think about it. It's pricing and products are way more fluid than that. You have to be all over them. So as an author, someone who's written a book, uh, again, I'm speaking from the outside in here, I've never produced a book, but I would imagine most people who write a book want that book to have an impact on the world. Mm. Therefore, what is the impact that you're hoping for all this work, experience, yeah. research, yeah, 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 yeah. all the stuff has gone before? You've yeah, it's a great, it, it's a great question. So I'll have to get a little bit political in my answer. Um, I, I, so I, I'm really worried about the state of the world. I think a lot of people are. I think you, you get down the pub or you, you know, have a dinner with friends and you start chatting about everything you're observing. And it's like, it doesn't sound great, all of these things that are going on. There's so many different tendons to it. Um, we talked earlier about climate change. Um, I think that's the biggest, biggest challenge we face. I think there's so many threads to it. If you look at the Sustainable Development Goals, there's 20 different aspects to that, you know, that ranges from education for women to um, recycling of refrigeration units. You know, this is like we have got a, a lot of problems that we need to solve and we need to solve them really, really quickly if we're going to create the kind of future for our children that, that they deserve. And, um, and I, I want to see, you know, frankly, I want to see government solve those problems and I want to see the legal system solve those problems. But I think the truth is it's not going to happen. Uh, there is just too much inertia. There's too much red tape. There's too much bureaucracy, too much politics. It's not happening there. And so when I think about where are we going to get this change from, I see business as the answer. And the reason I see business is, as the answer is because in my lifetime, and I think we can all, all see this, businesses have come from nowhere and they've changed culture. You know, like I think about, I live in Brighton in the UK and Anita Ruddock created the first um, body shop uh, just down the road. You know, it was the first shop. And she had a really, really clear underlying purpose, which was, it's not right that we test these products on animals. Like we do that as it, and we, we, we pretend, well, we, we, we hide it behind the scenes and then we pretend it's okay, right? And she was like, that's not good enough. We're changing that. And then I look at what she's achieved. I'm like, that's phenomenal. She's changed the world. Like credit to Anita Ruddock and all the people that were part of that journey because they changed the world. They, they, they shone a light on something and they gave consumers a choice and they, they made things better, right? So if you take Anissa Ruddock as the example, 
many of the people listening to this, I think they're Anissa Ruddocks. I think they're superheroes. And I think they have the potential to be able to go change the world for the better. If we all go and um, create businesses that have a clear purpose, that ultimately is making the world a bit better for most people, if everybody does that, I think we get some really significant change really quickly. I think we create the, the better future that we're, that we're all looking for. Well, leading on from that then, uh, and I'm asking you for a wider perspective because my perspective is totally laser focused on the travel industry. The, the startup ecosystem, the travel industry is great. And there's a lot of tour operators starting. There's a lot of technology uh, companies starting. So we have a great startup ecosystem within tourism. On the wider eco startup world, are you seeing more startups driven by a purpose and a passion? Yeah. Other than straight profit, as as the yeah. numbers starting to stack up, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, you look at the the growth of you know we all, we know all about venture capital and the the journey that's been on and how that's fallen away and there's lots of horror stories. You look at the growth of um, of sustainable financing. You know, it's huge. There are so and there's so many people that were in the sort of dark arts of finance that are moving across to find to back impact driven businesses. The other thing is we we touched on this earlier, but you know again business one hundred and one is is understand where your market is and meet the market where it is. You know you don't want to build a product that where where you think the market's going to be in ten years time because you might not get there, and you don't want to build a product for where the market was ten years ago because it's probably irrelevant now. Where the market is today, the data supports all of this. Is that especially Gen Z, but but I think it, it just cuts across all of society. We all want to see that better future, right? As you said earlier. We're sort of missing that purpose, right? We all want something to feel good about and we all want to tell other people about the, the, the great thing we found that's making things better. That's, we're kind of wired to do it. So um, yeah, I think, I, think, I think there is a timing consideration here as well. I think the market needs it. Therefore, that's what we should be giving to the market. Thanks very much, Neil. So there we have it, tourpreneurs. I thought, I think you will get a great amount out of this conversation. It's my as you all know, it's my passion, making profit. But Neil's putting another another direction on it, making profit with a purpose. So better business on purpose, make, create, impact, be a force for good. That is a message that I'm sure is going to resound with lots of our members in the community. Neil's in the community, so if you want to ask him any questions, please just tag him in the community and reach out to him. Thanks very much, Neil. Thank you, Peter. I've loved the conversation. Love what you do. And um, yeah, I'll be there in the community. If you've got any questions, um, I'll, I'll, I'll try and try and help where I can. Thanks very much. Did you know Tourpreneur also has a Facebook community of over 7,000 tour operators? If you are not a member, then search for Tourpreneur on Facebook and join a thriving community of tour operators and other travel professionals, all of whom learn from each other as well as from Chris, Mitch, Pete, and many other industry experts. By becoming a member, you will be notified first of any events, meetups, and exclusive content. Join the Torpreneur community today. Facebook.com slash group slash Torpreneur.